I went to the hospital. I got to say bye to him. Um, I'm thankful for that because I never, he couldn't talk at the time, but I'd never been able to um, tell him how much he meant to me. And I knew that was my my final time to tell him that. So um, I'm very thankful for that. Because we want you to listen, well, whenever. The Everett Brooks Whatever Show. Okay, here we are. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We, we got through yours. Yeah, this time you are in the hot seat, though. Sure. So this is our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Amber, that's Brooks. And basically, last time you got my life history. I'm yeah. not sure how that happened. If you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. That was like an hour long of just breaking down what makes Amber Amber. It felt like therapy, I won't lie. And I will say that, you know, we didn't want to go real, real long. We went for an hour, and there was still plenty of stuff I could have asked you about. Oh, absolutely. Um, and maybe we addressed more of that stuff, the non, non-personal, because we talked more about relationships, mm-hmm. you're growing up, all that. Um, but maybe we do that down the road, talk about your other things outside of radio. Today, and- however, I want to start with you the same place we started with me. Okay. And that is your childhood. I just... I'm just curious to know how yours differed from mine. Okay, so I am, I was very lucky as a kid. Mm-hmm. My parents are still together. Wow. Um, my brothers, I have two older brothers, and they have each have three kids. They live in the same area. I mean, we are all, all grew up in Nixon, Missouri, just south of Springfield. Um, and now they're all in that area still. So within like 15-minute drive, my parents actually live next to my brother and his wife and kids. So it's like, I mean, it was, this is weird for me to be in Tulsa because I was never more than like, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from them. How much um, older than you are your brothers? Um, so my oldest brother is two grades older than me. Okay. Uh, and then the other one is like seven years, seven grades older than me. So I was in high school for a couple of years with, with my middle brother, Blake, my oldest brother, you know, we just missed each other by a couple of years. Um, but no, I was I was kind of the black sheep. I'm the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, which anytime I tell anybody that I'm the baby, they're like, "Well, yeah, of course." Clearly. I mean, every like <laughs> stereotypical thing about being the the baby of the family mm-hmm. is me. I my brothers are really close with my dad, and I'm close with my dad too. Like I, I have a really good relationship with both my parents. You do. I, I'm definitely a mama's boy. Um, and I just so this is going to be weird, but like growing up and even like somewhat recently in my adult life, I've just had like a sixth sense for feelings. And I know that sounds like I'm making that up, but I always like understood my mom. And there was just certain things um, with my brothers that they just didn't, not to say anything bad about them. I just was on a different level with connecting with my mom sure. with that stuff. And just females in general, I get along with females, uh, to this day, still pretty well. I mean, not that I don't get along with guys, but it's just, um, there's just always been that something there with females where I just, as friends, I mean, obviously I've had awful uh, luck Yeah, with that dating. was going to be my next question. If you're so close with your mom and you have this sixth sense, you say, for, for how a woman feels, mm-hmm. why do you think that you are not married with kids like your brothers are? A couple reasons. Okay, so um, ever since I was young, Especially since I had older brothers that are both married. Mm-hmm. My brother got married on his 20, my oldest brother got married on his 21st birthday. Wow. So that would made me like 14, 13, 14. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be married at that point. And so for the longest time, I would say from like 14 to into my 20s, I would try to force things. And I also, you know, have to, my, I saw how happy my parents were. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was one of the weirder things as a kid is, because, like, when I was a kid, that was when divorce became really, like, really common. Yeah. My best friend, his parents went through divorce, and it was pretty messy. And I remember, like, hearing the stuff that, you know, they would, he was going through and everything, and I could, I just could not relate. My parents never fought. The only time that they got in any argument was when my mom wanted to, my dad to do something, um, a little more outgoing. Like she would try to get him to go dancing. My dad's the quiet guy. Uh, he's not quite, you know, if you get to know him and everything, he's sure. a really funny guy. Um, but he's just kind of easygoing. And my mom is more like I used to be, I guess. I'm I'm probably getting more and more like my dad with as I get older and kind of mature a little bit. 
of like, no, I mean, there are certain, I'm sure we'll get into this, there are certain things that I do get worked up about, I get that, but there are also several several <laughs> things where I'm like, eh, I'm not going to waste my time with that. And that's how my dad is, like, across the board, for the most part. So you've wanted to be married yeah. since you were 14 years old. Yeah, and I love kids. Like, when I was growing up in church and stuff, I always helped with nursery, and um, I had cousins that were younger, and on my dad's side, I also had um, cousins that are probably... I don't know, 15 to 20 years older than me. Oh, wow. So they were having kids when, you know, I was I was still a kid. So, like, I'm not much older than my second cousins. Um, I probably got, a, I got, what, four or five years. No, I'm a little more than that, I guess, but um, five to seven years probably on my oldest second cousin. So, I, can, I mean, we were somewhat close in age. I can attest that you're good with kids. I, I mean, I just, Jade adores you. I, I like kids, and that's how I'm with, you know, my nieces and nephews, and, you know, that's something that's changed my life because I always got along with, like, little boys because, you know, I was I grew, play, grew up playing sports. I got yeah. come from a sports family, um, and I just related to that part of it. And But then whenever my brother had his first girl, that, that changed my life. Like, and the way I get along with, with girls, it just anyone who's, you know, been in that moment of, dealing with a little girl for the first time. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it changed your life. So, but I mean, my childhood, again, I know how lucky I was. My, you know, my parents were both teachers, so it's not like we were rich or, or anything, but, uh, you know, my mom, uh, they both did extra stuff. Like my mom would teach summer school and uh, three boys who, you know, eat through the house and everything. And there were times where it's like, okay, where's the money going to come from? But it was never like, Oh, are we going to lose the house or anything? Yeah. It was just like, oh, we're running low on money this this month or whatever. And with teachers, you know, I remember when I was young, I thought everyone got paid the same as teachers <laughs> where, well, not just, not money-wise, but like once a month. Yeah. And I remember the 20th was when my parents got paid because there would be times where, you know, you get to the 15th and we're like, okay, we got to really watch it this next, you know, next week um, until we get paid. So... But I never, there was never anything that I can look back on and be like, well, we didn't have the money for this. So, like, my parents always provided for me. And I was very, I mean, if you want to call it spoiled, that's fine. I didn't have, I had summer jobs from, okay. like, 15. I think 15 was when I had my first one. I was an umpire. So um, I would do, I don't know, like, maybe 10 to 15 hours a week on that okay and then so i didn't get my f first like full-time job until i was out of high school what was your first full-time job uh, well i say full-time i sh should say full-time hours i okay. wasn't considered a full-time employee or anything you know to have benefits or anything but it was a seasonal thing because i worked at silver dollar city what yeah and what did you do there i robbed the train <laughs> and so the way it works is uh, you work on the train and then some of the days you would conduct the train and work at the depot and everything, and then some of the time you would be out in the woods in a shed and rob the train. It was a performance. I mean, I say rob, so if you've never been to Silver Dollar City, you might not understand that, but it was just the train would go around Silver Dollar City, and about halfway through its ride, it would get it would get stopped by these robbers, um, Alfie and Ralphie Bolin. And then they would stop there, the conductor <laughs> would get off, and we would do like a performance about them trying to rob our train. The the robber's trying to rob the train while he's trying to stop them from seeing the Yankees up there. He's stopping them to save them. Um, anyway, so for I, someone that doesn't know what Silver Dollar City I know, is, out though, of context, that is super weird. I yeah, get it. <laughs> yes, and, it's an amusement park. Yes. There's like rides and things like that, yeah. but it's also it's almost like stepping on, into one of those old time photo booths. You yeah. know, like it's like it's, 1880s or something like that yes. is when it's set. And um, so there's a lot of it's not your basic. Uh, you know, amusement parks, it has roller coasters and stuff, but it's it's more about the... Some people go there and don't ride rides at all. I mean, they just look at the... It's beautiful down there in, you know, the Ozark, Ozark Mountain Hills. Um, and it's more about the the things surrounding the rides. You know, good restaurants and just yeah. some of the crafts and everything. It's really cool. So, um, and I grew up going there as a kid, you know, a few times a summer or whatever, and then um, I was looking for a job out of high school, and my theater teacher, he he got me. He worked there in the summer too. He performed at the saloon show. Crazy. So I actually interviewed. I wasn't even planning on it. I interviewed while we were down there for our senior trip. <laughs> our senior trip was just a day trip down there, 
and he's like, hey, you want to talk to him over here? So I uh, had to like perform on the spot a monologue. But again, some people were that I worked with, you know, had you could tell had done the theater thing before and performed, and some definitely didn't. Can we so, hear a bit of that monologue? Yeah, I can. Uh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to do. I got to do both parts here. Okay. So. Bone, what's the big idea stopping my train out here in the middle of nowhere? Well, we stopped you to warn you. Warn me about what? Yankees. Yankees. <laughs> yeah, up there, they're, they're around the corner. They're, speaking these, they're swinging these big sticks, but don't you worry, they ain't hitting nothing. Well, why not? The New York Yankees. <laughs> oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, so it's like, uh, it depends on how busy the day was, because it would be anywhere from like... Um, we could do shorter shows if it was really busy. They want to get more trains through. But we would do two two or three shows an hour um, that lasted like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, somewhere in there. So uh, it was it was fun, it was, but it was the same thing. Like on the busiest days, we would do like 20 shows. And especially in July, they're in the oh middle gosh. of the day. And especially if you're conducting. The good thing about conducting is you were riding around on the train so you get the breeze while you're on there. Yes, because it's hot. Yes, but while you were performing, you were in all black, had like a vest, black, and at a certain time of day, that sun is directly on you. And so you're, I mean, I remember just, there was there were people who had to like take breaks because they got so hot. But it was only for a short amount of time. Um, but it's just one of those things that like, man, that, that was the roughest part of the job was the heat. Okay, so you went from being an umpire to robbing trains. Yeah. Where did you go yeah. from there? Um see what did i do okay so after that um i went to so i went back to rob trains a couple times but <laughs> but in between there i went to school i didn't want to go to school i didn't want to go to college um but my my parents obviously went to college mm-hmm. literally everyone in my family is a teacher or was a teacher at one point like my brothers are now my sister-in-laws are now and my parents are retired teachers leave it to you to break the mold yeah so again black sheep um <laughs> so i I went to college because I did get, you know, a little bit of a theater scholarship. So I was like, okay, I, I went to Central Missouri. I was like, you know what, I'll try this out. It was honestly to make my mom happy because she kept trying to talk me into it. And I said, okay, mom, if I try this, she said, then that's what she said. She goes, I don't, she's not a big believer of like everyone has to go to college. Sure. And um, I mean, she did, but she's like, you know, I just want you to try it. See if it's for you. And so made a deal. And about a month in, I was like, yeah, not for me. Um <laughs> I was doing theater, and so I liked the theater part of it, but I did not like the school part of it. I just hated school. I, like, I don't dislike learning, just the sitting down in a classroom. Yes. That's just, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you're the same way. But Hated it. Yeah, it's awful. And, I, I mean, some people love it. They love to just sit there and mm-hmm. take it all in, and just not for me. So a month in, I realized I wasn't going to do this, or wasn't going to be going back. So what did I do? I, uh, I dropped my English class. That took me down to like 12 hours, but then I wanted to drop my math class, but, but I realized that if that, if I did the kit, if I dropped that one, I'd be down to nine hours and I wouldn't be a full-time student. So I couldn't live in the dorms. So, oh. so I just failed that one. I just didn't drop it. I remember my professor of that reaching out to me cause I hadn't been there in a couple of times. She said, you know, you can drop this, right? I said, well, actually I can't because I won't be a full-time <laughs> student anymore. So she's like, well, I'm going to have to give you zeros on all this. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Anyway, so if I would have gone back, that would have been a poor mistake. I get it. Um, but <laughs> so so I, the, it went on, and I still went to class because going from there, I thought, well, I still want to perform some way. Okay. And I had three theater classes. So I was like, well, it makes sense for me to go there because that's something I enjoyed. I could learn something. Um, but, you know, the math and English, I'm like, well, I don't really need to do this anymore. That was just so I could graduate. So um, anyway, I did that. And then my, uh, like I said, I decided I wasn't going to do any go back. So I started thinking, okay, what am I going to do for a paycheck? Yeah. Afterwards, you know, I'm a planner. That's plan- kind of important. I'm a planner. And, you know, we talked on, on your episode that what you moved to Maine, was it Maine that you just yeah, had no Yeah, Atlanta, plan? then Maine. Yeah, I just hopped all over. No yeah. plans. And, but, you, yeah, you no plans. You're just like, hey, I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. I can't do that. And so, like, as soon as I realized I wasn't going to – Go back to school. I'm like, well, I know I have to pay f- for my stuff, so what am I going to do next? And so I had a couple uncles, one who's now retired, one still doing it, who delivered mail. And delivering mail is one of those things that, you know, I knew they made all right money. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like rich or anything, but for an 18-year-old kid, I started looking into it, and I was going to – I was like, well, if I take this test, because the way that works is 
your civil service test you can take. You don't have to take it to deliver mail, but you make like $6 more an hour oh, if wow. you take it. So I remember one weekend when I was in school, I had to drive to like Jefferson City, I want to say, and take the test on the weekend. It's just like memorizing numbers, just like a practical thing you yeah. do as uh, someone who's delivering mail. So I did that, and so I had it all planned out. As soon as I moved back, um, I was going to be able to do that. Um and I don't know, I'm, I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place. I'm just looking at the timeline of thing, or thinking of the timeline of thing, and I can get back to the others. But one thing that really changed me was that year. I mean, obviously I went to college and that, but um, about two weeks before finals, my, on a Saturday, I got a call from my buddy that said, dude, LB's been a bad, bad wreck. And I, I didn't, you know, know how to process it at the time. Like, okay, how bad is it? And they didn't really know at the time. So they just said, you probably need to get here. And who, I was. Who is LB? LB is, his name's Tony. Um, we called him, it's a long story. We called him LB. Got the call that he, uh, he was in a bad wreck. He had apparently, he, he mowed for a guy who had a, um, a Corvette. And he liked fast cars and he drove it, took it on a back road and flipped it. And I don't remember how fast he was going, but it was something, you know, really high. And anyway, after being pretty much a vegetable for like two days, wow. he died. And so once that happened, you know, I was back in Springfield to be there for everything. And then all of a sudden, a week later, I have to take finals. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And I, I just, I couldn't get motivated to study for anything. I knew I wasn't going back to school. I actually had one teacher who I still think about to this day that went through something similar when he was in college, mm-hmm. lost a buddy, and he kind of knew what I was going through. He goes, I'm not going to count your final. And the other one, uh, so I actually only had two teachers because I was only in theater classes at that point. <laughs> and one of them who taught two two of my classes and a different one taught one. The one who taught two, he's like, I can't. he said, I feel bad for you. I get it. He said, but I have to count that. And I didn't. I never once thought, oh, what a jerk. He's counting this. I knew that was my responsibility. I, your I parents never, are teachers. You understand yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And but But I also didn't care. I'm like, he could have said anything. All three of them could have said, well, we're going to count them as zeros and fail you. I wouldn't care. Yeah. Uh, I just, I wasn't going to go back and do that. You I knew checked I out. Definitely checked out. And that's how I am with, you know, a lot of things in life once I lose interest in it. But um, this was like an extreme version of it. I'm just, and, you know, I, I would have powered through if I knew I was going to continue. Because it's like, well, I, you know, I would have sucked yeah. it up and done it. I think. I, you know, I say that. I don't know, I guess. But I'd like to think I did, or I would have. And uh, but I knew I wasn't going back. So whenever I moved back, um, I needed a job, and I worked the Christmas show at Silver Dollar City because I was okay. still the same guys or whatever. Um, which is a little different. I, you conduct. There's no robbing. They you stop out there, and there's like a, a grandpa telling you Christmas stories. Okay, so the show is a little different for Christmas time. Um, anyway, then I started delivering mail. After that, and then at one point I was doing. Delivering mail and working at Silver Dollar City. Because the mail thing wasn't consistent. I was a sub. Oh, okay. So, like, the way that works is you're a sub for a specific route. So you train on that route. You run it on Saturdays. Okay. Uh, then uh, if the the person who's, whose route it is, if they take off or whatever, then you, uh, you fill in for them. And then you can also train on other routes where you get more work, whatever. But um, so I wasn't working a ton or anything there. But I was making good money doing it. Um, whenever I was there for an 18 year old kid, at least. And, um, so I was doing both of those. And while I was working at Silver Dollar City, I found, uh, or I talked to a guy who went to broadcast school Ah. and I had no idea what broadcast, I'd never thought about doing radio before that. I knew, I thought at that point I want to be an actor. I thought about doing something else at Silver Dollar City, or I don't know if I ever really considered moving away and which was part of the reason that. You know, I didn't follow through with it because, you know, Springfield, Missouri is not the hotbed for yeah. for actors. <laughs> um, what? So, so I know. And so when he, he told me about this, I was like, man, that's pretty cool. I've never never even thought about the radio. And the more I looked into it, I'm like, yeah, this might work. You know, that's a way to perform. And that's kind of what I wanted. And it, it seemed fun to me. So, again, came up with a plan. I uh, The broadcast school that he went to was in St. Louis. I had a buddy who was going to flight school in St. Louis. So I called him. I said, dude, hypothetically, if this were to happen, would you want to get a place together and whatever? So I, I went up there and stayed with him while I went and did my uh, – I had to do like a test up there to make sure – because they 
they only accept, I mean, it's pretty lenient, but they don't accept everyone. Okay. Um, so anyway, so I went up there and did that. And then a few months later, ended up starting there. And during this time, I was making a plan to come up with a job while I was up there. I'm like, what am I going to do? And then it hit me. I said, well, what if I deliver mail up there? Because they, the Postal Service has, like, you can transfer. Yeah. And so I did. And so I walked into, you know, new, moving to this new city. I was living with a buddy. He's the only one I really knew there. And I knew if I got a different job, there was almost no chance I was going to make as good of money as I did delivering mm-hmm. mail. So anyway, I was like, you know, it's something I at least kind of know how to do. I would obviously have to le- learn the area and the route and everything. But anyway, I moved there and did that. And that one, the timing was unbelievable. Um, the route that I did was what they call a six-day route, where it doesn't have a sub. It does have a sub, but it's the sub doesn't work once a week. The full-time person works six days a week. Wow. You, just because it's a shorter route, so that you're working like seven-hour days, five day, or six days a week. Okay. Whatever. So, um, and she ended up having to have like surgery on her arm or something like that while I was there. So I was working six days a week doing that and going to school. So, but it, it sounds crazy, but it's really not because the way, uh, I, it's hard for me to compare and contrast delivering mail in Nixon, Missouri compared to delivering in, um, in St. Louis area. I guess I was in, uh, Chesterfield, delivering okay. in Chesterfield, which is just a suburb out there, really nice area. But uh, I was one of the slower ones in Nixa, and by like week two or three, I was one of the fastest ones in St. Louis. I and you know I don't know what it is. I just I wasn't coming in cold. I mean, I kind of knew what the sure. process was like and everything like that. And I will say that I worked with harder working people in Nixa. And I know that had something to do with it because I would, there'd be times where I was in St. Louis delivering mail. I just look around at all these people just talking. I'm like, what? No, Damn. and you're competitive too. And I will what? say being in a work environment with you, um, we butt heads more probably about the fact that you're super organized and you like to get straight to work yeah. and I'm a bit of a goofball. Yep. And <laughs> Yeah, and I have, I mean, I obviously have my goofy side and I understand. You I've do. always I've always said like, God bless whoever marries me, because I have, you would have to figure out the certain things that I'm a goofball about and the certain things I'm like, okay, let's get this done. Can we talk about that for a minute? What? Can we talk about why you think you aren't married? I mean, you've you've had relationships that I know meant a lot to you. Oh, yeah. What so, happened? Why yeah, are you not married? earlier, didn't we? Um, so, I tried to force it with a lot of girls early on, because okay. I was always like... I don't know. I just thought my time was going to run out. Again, my, my brother got married at 21. My parents got married at like 20. And okay. so, like, that's what I knew. And I was like, that's what I want. So, you know, everyone that I dated, I'm like, okay, this has got to be her. This has got to be her. This has got to be her. And I did that so many times. I know I know that ruined so many relationships for me. Like, looking back, like, the, if girls do that to me now, that's what I hate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I just doing that to so many girls. Like, just rushing into things. And I, so th- I've just completely changed on that before, uh, from from before. So that's a big reason. But I also, I get that I'm not the easiest person to get along with. Like, I like things a certain way. And I'm sure the more I'm single, the harder that part is going to be because it just gets set in your ways. I mean, but one thing I, I think people get wrong about me, because I do like to be in control of things. Um, you are type A, yes. for sure. But I also... There are certain things where I just don't I don't care anymore. Like with a relationship, there's certain things I'm gonna be like, no, I you know I can't change this about me. Mm-hmm. There's other things I'm like, okay, you know, not a big deal. There's a lot more of those things where it's not a big deal to me than there used to be. And before I'm just like, no, this is me, take it or leave it. But now I understand the compromise thing. I want, I'm not saying I'm the best at compromising whatsoever, but I at least understand the theory of it. I know what it means. <laughs> So, um, no, I just think I'm, you know, off to a better start. And I just, but I also, another thing I deal with is whenever I go out with a girl, I can tell you within the first time hanging out with her, if like, okay, does this have a chance or not? So I won't even, I'm sure there's plenty of girls who I might've had a relationship with that I ended after the first time hanging out with them just because I don't, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I don't want to waste my time as much as theirs. Like, it, there are certain things, I get it, and I'm picky, 
that will stand out to me after meeting? Give me an example. Uh, let's see here. Well, you know, if if faith is doesn't match up, I mean, okay. I couldn't, I just couldn't marry an atheist. You know, my faith is too too big of part of my life for that sure. to work. So that is like an obvious one that sticks out. Um, used to, I will say, I I never wanted someone who with a kid. I just like when I was younger because I was like, well, I want to have that first kid because I wanted kids and I want that kid to be mine. And now that doesn't bug me whatsoever. And I know that's an age thing, a maturity thing. Um, and I also understand that a lot of girls my age have kids yes. or have been married before. Um, and actually, like, the first girl who really broke my heart was, got married really young. And I was the first guy she dated after she got a divorce. And um, anyway, so we kind of jumped into it. And that was at the time where I was like, trying to force it and everything. I really liked her. I mean, I'm not hiding that. I'm not like, oh, man, what an idiot. Uh, I really liked her, but I I also tried to force it, and she was, that was definitely the worst person to force it with Yeah. because she had just got out of that divorce, and, I, again, I was the first person she went on a legitimate date with. And so, I, you know, looking back, I'm like, okay, I definitely understand why she was, like, scared and everything. So, um, yeah. Did that was, she have a kid, or had she just no, been No, she just, uh, she'd been divorced. It was, like... Like they dated in high school and got married like right out of high school. And then it just, he changed type of thing. Okay. And she's like, I need to get out. And so, um, yeah, they were broken up. I think they were, I think it was like only like six months after. So, I mean, someone she'd been with for a long time. So that's the first heartbreak. Yeah. Have yeah. there been more? Yeah, for sure. And I've had like, you know, I can look back and think, okay, my heart was not really broken there. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would get disappointed a lot. Yes. But then I would also understand, like, okay, I was being dramatic there. And, again, that goes back to the maturity thing and trying to force it. In my mind, I would build up something like, oh, this is it. And then whenever it doesn't work out, I'd be like, oh, I'm never going to find someone. Yes. Because that was it, and I screwed it up. Or it just didn't work out, whatever. Um, yeah, so there were, there were some of those thrown in there and the disappointments and everything. Then the, the next one um, was the big one. I think that's, yeah, I guess only two big heartbreaks. Um, there was a girl in college that is a very frustrating deal, and honestly, that's not even worth going into, but um, I kind of, I was kind of heartbroken over here, her, but it wasn't as like the other two. Um, so this girl, I was 26 when we started hanging out, and we were coworkers. And you're so, in radio at that point. Yep, in radio, and... Um, because I started radio when I was 20. And so I'd been there a long time. She had been there a couple years or whatever. And honestly, she when she first started, she was in a serious relationship. She was she had a kid okay. and was still with um, baby daddy. And they were like, you know, dating together, living together, mm-hmm. all of that, but not uh, not married. And so like when it first started, I was like, you know, never thought of it like that. I always thought she was pretty, of course, but not anything more than that. Then one night at a uh, a company function, actually, we were both there, and we just started talking. We hit it off, and we started hanging out. And um, then we were like, no, we're coworkers. We can't do this. So we were, like, being secretive mm. about it for so long. And as soon as we, we tried to, like, you know, like, okay, this isn't going to work, and then we'd hang out again. Um, kept going over and over. And then finally, after about the 18th time, we're like, okay, we got to stop this. And that was like she became such a big part of me from seeing her during that even though we weren't together that all of a sudden all communication was because that's that was the only thing we could do it was like it had to be a clean break yeah because we tried everything else and so as soon as that was taken away i was i was hurting because actually we went to a concert together in kansas city and i mean like this is a good idea we're like hey this will be our last weekend like going into it i know that never works oh man i no. get it but it was also one of those things we could push off and be like, okay, we'll figure it out after this happens. Yes. So, but we did said, okay, I mean, we agreed that after this weekend, we need to really think about this. So when we were leaving for the trip, she got a text. Well, she needed her phone. She left in the truck or something. So I went to grab it for her and she had the preview on and whenever I grabbed it, it lit up all that. I promise you I was not trying to read her text, but I did. And it was from a guy saying, when are we going to get drinks this week or something to that effect saying 
like, oh, this has already been planned type thing. And I was so hurt, so furious. I'm like, you can't even wait until like Monday whenever we're not, you know, after this weekend. She was already planning the next thing. I mean, that crushed me. So that's how the break started. So, of course, I was thinking about that, how mad I was at her, how heartbroken I was um, for it. But then, of course, we worked together. So I had to see her every day. Oh, man. All right. And she uh, she actually just moved to the morning. She she was in sales and then did a morning show on Top 40. Um, and so we had different schedules, which you'd think would be good. But it was also one of those things where I wasn't prepared to see her ever. To where I would, like, if you're working the same schedule, at least you go in going, okay, I'm going to see her. Yes. Yeah. I would go you know, a couple of days without seeing her just because she lived in, worked so in a different part. And then all of a sudden there she is. I'm like, Oh gosh. So I was a wreck for two, three months. And finally, cause I wanted her to give us a chance. Like legit. I was like, by that point, I'm like, I know how this proved to me how I really feel about yes. it. Yes. And, um, so I was at that point, I was like, let's give this a chance. And she's like, no, we're coworkers and we are completely different. I mean, we knew that going into anything. We're completely mm-hmm. different. Um, then April came around and I went to the ACMs and so I was in Vegas and I was hanging out with this, this girl I know from Nashville. We were there at the same time and we we were kind of hanging out and all of a sudden I get a text from Sarah, the, the girl back home saying, okay, I'm ready to try this just out of the blue. I mean, we hadn't talked and I was, it was like that moment, you know, that they always talk about as soon as you get over them. Yeah. And this was like five months after we said we were going to take a break. And then I was like, and and I was level-headed enough at that point where I'm like, I'm not doing this if this is just you, like, giving in to me. Like, I, yeah. like I've made it a long way here. I'm not putting myself in that position unless, um, unless this is real. So anyway, we, uh, we dated. We were only together for, like, four months. And we were, like I said, we were really different. And once we spent time together as a couple, those things were made more obvious. Mm-hmm. Then so you think and be like, okay, that make, makes sense. And so we broke up. Um, and then I don't know, a week or two later, I realized I made a mistake. And so I spent, went through the same process again, where she's, she was hurt cause I ended things with her and I completely understand. And she had never been broken up with before. So she didn't even know how to, you know, process that. This is such a Ross and Rachel thing going on here. So, <laughs> anyway, so we, um, it was back and forth, and that's when I moved to mornings uh, at my old station, KTTS. So we were both working mornings. And we had this big window to the hall. I had to Ouch. see her every time. And I don't know if we want to get into this part. I know we did last time, but um, on your thing, I talked about my boss letting me put up banners on the window so I didn't have to stare at her um, the whole time. That was his idea. I'm so, so thankful for, for that from him because I did help a lot. Because before, the way it was positioned – I'd be looking at my co-host, and then she'd just walk right behind. I mean, outside the studio, of yes. course, but through the window, and I would just lose my train of thought because I saw her. Um, so we, anyway, we went back and forth for a couple months, and then, um, but she stayed strong pretty much the whole time. But I was miserable again, and then finally I got over it. And I, I don't even that part I don't even really remember. Like, okay, what was the moment? Because she was devastated when I went to mornings, because it was seriously the day after I found out. The day after we broke up, I found out that I was going to mornings. Oh, my god! And gosh. so she thought I kept this from her. And so, like, we were still – I thought we were still kind of friends Ouch. at that time. Because it wasn't a messy breakup. It got messier as time went on. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I went to her after. I said, hey, I just don't want you to think that I kept this from you. I said, I literally found out yesterday whenever they made the announcement or whatever. So I, I still care about her. I like crazy and i i'm not a grudge holder on relationships i am about other things but not <laughs> relationships but i've also never been really really screwed over i mean like everything she did was justified she didn't do anything um that i thought was like dirty or anything so do you still talk to her uh up until uh, a couple months ago we did i don't honestly don't know what happened and it was just like few and far between we went something through something similar with work um so we kind of reconnected over that um but we haven't talked in a couple months. It kind of, you know, kind of stings. But it's like, uh, because I've reached out to her and she hasn't responded. So we always have that, you know, connection. So when something like that happens, I always think like, oh, she must have started seeing someone. 
which is her right. I'm not trying to be with her again or anything, but I know that it would probably be weird for me to talk to her if I was with somebody just because it was, I mean, I was in love with her. It's like, it's an ex-girlfriend. I get it. Respect thing for your new, new boyfriend or girlfriend. So do you not have a one that got away? Um, yeah. So that one actually happened after Sarah. Um, and this is going to sound so stupid. Um, we met on Bumble, and we went to dinner one night, met for dinner. On my way home after dinner, I called my mom and said, I just met the girl I'm going to marry, Mom. And two weeks later, I mean, we were we jumped in head first. Two or three weeks later, her ex-boyfriend showed up. Just, I could tell, one day, she just was acting different on what's going on. She's like, I'm just so confused. She said, I was with this guy for four years. He came back out of nowhere, um, blah, blah, blah. So at that point, it was after the Sarah thing. I had matured a lot, and I'm like, I just decided that's – I was jaded uh, yeah. for sure, and I just decided that's how I'm going to handle things. I'm like, all right, screw it. Good luck. And I just cut it off. And then, of course, she came back around after, oh, what do you know? The boyfriend hasn't changed. Um, and so anyway, we talked for a little bit more, and then – Never, but at that time, I was still, I was kind of holding a grudge against her. I'll admit that, that she chose him over me because that hurt. Because we, we, things are going along, and I get it. It's a few weeks compared to four years. I, yes. I mean, I can't compete with that. I get that. But our connection was so strong that I thought, okay, she knows what she has with this guy and how he screwed up, whatever. And she doesn't, you know, this is a fresh new thing. I thought she would give us a chance. She chose him over me. Um, and I didn't, let that go. Whenever she finally reached back out to me, she said, I made a mistake. Fast forward, they are now engaged. She went back to him, and they are engaged. So, yeah. So I've had, you know, I, I, I never, I will never be a guy that blames other people for my mistakes, but I have had some bad luck. Um, just there are several things that happened that I'm just like, like that's one of them. I'm like, what are the chances? Like, this guy, just out of the blue, as soon yes. as something good happens, she hadn't talked to him in years or whatever. I don't know how long it had been, but, you know, no no contact with him. And then all of a sudden, oh, you guys are starting to be happy? Let me jump in here. And, yeah. So I want to make sure that we touch on this. Um, I don't want to run out of time. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever told you this story, but you and I were friends on Facebook before we ever met in person. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of mutual radio friends. It's, you know, we share ideas and you know, things like that online all the time. And I was in country radio. You had been in country radio for several years longer than I had been at that point. And so I always kind of watched you and thought, this guy's really charismatic. You were great at social media. And I I just kind of kept tabs on you along the way. I always thought that you were someone I could look to. Oh, well, thank you. You just know a lot more about it than I do. So... I remember watching a video that you posted online one day, and um, I'm going to cry thinking about it. It was a video that you posted um, after your boss oh. passed away. Yeah. I was like, wait, what, and what did I post? That it was you, you and your co-host at the time. Yeah. I don't remember if it was Summer or it's Nancy. Nancy. It's Nancy. Um, and the two of you were sitting there just facing the camera, and I'd never seen you show that kind of emotion because you've always just seemed like all I ever saw of you was the happy social media. Yeah. Um, I know you're really close with Mark. I know that he'll always probably be the best boss you've ever had. Um, can you can you kind of walk us through how all of that happened? So, all right, Mark Granton, um was my boss. Uh, he's actually my. He was actually my second boss. My first boss who hired me actually got let go a couple months after he hired me, and of course I was scared because yes. first time in radio, you hear all these horror stories. Then Mark came in, and um, for someone who ha- wasn't in radio very long, like I was, I could just say, "Oh, wow, there's something special about this guy." Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, even though I had was still brand new, learning stuff. And I get it. I'm still learning to this day, but barely knew anything. Out of fresh out of broadcast school, I thought, man, this guy has his stuff together. Um, and the way he just commanded respect, and he was—he's from um, Wisconsin, 
So he, you know, in the North, they just talk different. So he came across as rude sometimes, but that's just how they are up there. And so he eventually, you know, kind of became more like a a Midwestern, uh, you know, uh, someone in Springfield that was a little more polite and everything. So, but when he first started, I was like, I didn't know how to read him because he was just so much different than anyone I've ever dealt with. Um, But I just knew he was smart. And then, so that was 2010, the first time where I really thought, oh my gosh, this guy is special. Um, You know, not the first time, but something that really sticks out to me. That first breakup I told you about, I was struggling and came there, it was on a Thursday. And he could tell I was just off. I mean, I was doing my, I was doing nights at that time. So before I went on air, I was doing some stuff in the office and he could just tell I was not doing well. He said, he came and checked on me. He said, get out of here. I said, no, he said, I'm, I'm here. You know, it's, I know I'm getting paid to do this job. He goes, no, don't worry about it. He said, there are things that are bigger than radio. And, um, that always stuck with me. Then, you know, fast forward to that other breakup. He is the one that came up with the, I, I I just went to him. I said, I'm struggling because I'm seeing my ex-girlfriend and he didn't even know about us at that point because we were so secretive. And, and, but I was like, I don't know what else to do. So I went to him and that shows you how much I trusted him. Absolutely. Went there. And, um, anyway, so he said, well, this is what we're going to do. He goes, he said, I'll act like I, I want more logo edge in the studio. He said, we'll put banners up so you can't see through that window. Again, another point where I was like, oh, my gosh. So, um, you know, this is not just a great boss, but a great man. Yes. And um, during this time, he got cancer. I was with a station that supports St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And once a year, they have Country Cares for St. Jude. Mm-hmm. A bunch of radio people go, and it's a conference to where uh, we just learn about St. Jude and what's new so we can go on air and talk about it on the Radiothon. And he talked about his side hurting as we were on our way down there and on the way back, he's like, I think I need to call about this. I don't know what's going on on my side. It's cancer. And um, I think it was, was it colon cancer that went into the lung? Anyway, he had cancer five different times and he beat it every time. Wow. The final time they had this tumor, he, they found a tumor and kiss and he was the first time he had to go in for surgery. He was supposed to be out a month or something. He was at, back for a week after a week. Whoa. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's just, that's just how he is. Um, hard, hardest worker I've ever met in my life. And um, so anyway, it was May of 2018. He got the news that he had a tumor on his brain. It wasn't, it wasn't cancerous, but he had to have surgery on it. So he went in there, had surgery, and I was kind of like the in-between guy. And I was, because t- we'd worked together so long, really close and um, I was in contact with his wife, getting updates and everything, filling everybody in. And basically, we expected him to be back, you know, in half the time he was supposed to be off or whatever. And all of a sudden, he wasn't. The surgery went fine. But they found later determined that the cancer spread literally everywhere else but his brain. So his body just shut down. I remember where I was when I got the call from Cindy, his wife. She said, cash. And that's what I went by there. She said, He's not going to make it. And, um, and I was kind of blown away by that. I knew he'd had some struggles with like his um, blood sugar, things like that. And he was, you know, going to rehab for, you know, trying to get back in, you know, physical therapy, whatever. And so I was not expecting that. And that's when they finally discovered that it had spread. She, yeah. she said, I said, well, how long does he have? They said, maybe 24 hours. Oh, my god. So gosh. I don't know how it timed out to that to where oh they caught it then and that's like 24 hours so i went to the hospital i get to say bye to him um i'm thankful for that because i never he couldn't talk at the time but i'd never been able to um tell him how much he meant to me and i knew that was my my final time to tell him that so um i'm very thankful for that and i'm thankful that I stayed through it. I had a chance to go elsewhere um, a couple months before, before his diagnosis. You everything. mean accept another job? Yes, and um, within the company. and uh, But I was like, no, I'll stay. I'm happy here, and I'm, I'm thankful I did. Um, although 
work didn't go well for me the next year. <laughs> yeah. I got fired, you know, seven months after he passed away, something like that. Um, we got sold to a new company, and then I got fired. And it was really, really hard because we weren't planning on him, this happening to him. So there was no prep for it. So I just had to, I, I wanted to just shut down and not do anything. But because of what Mark taught me, I was like, I mean, he was in there a week after getting surgery to beat this cancer. And so I'm like, you know, screw this. I'm going into work yeah. and I have to do this for him. And that's what I did for the next next five or six months. It was just one thing after another. Things kept going wrong with work. And um, I was I was putting really long hours because I was doing a morning show, but I was also our acting PD and program director and music director um, at that time. So that's the hardest I've ever worked but in my life, but it was because of him, and I know I owed it to him. He's the reason at, while he was there we won uh, – Marconi Award, we won a Crystal Award, we won um, two ACMs, yeah. we won two CMAs, um, I got a nomination for CMA personality, all of that, zero chance it happens without him. <laughs> I mean, that's, I know that, and... I think you're selling yourself a little bit short, no, but I understand I, what Mark meant to but you. But regardless of what I brought to it, he taught me, yeah. so it doesn't happen without him, and I think about him every day. Whenever I'm I'm doing work, and if anyone asks me, you know, that's getting into radio, say, "What's your one piece of advice?" For I have two pieces of advice. I'll say, "Show up," <laughs> and my other one. And I he didn't tell me these exact words, but I know I got this from him. I say, "Never let anyone outwork you." Someone is going to work as hard as you because you can't control that, but you never let them outwork you. And that's what he lived by, and that's what now I live by with work. Um. Again, Man, that, that I can't imagine what it's like for you to work with me then. <laughs> yeah, talk about all-time downfall. <laughs> no. Okay, let's end on a high note yeah. here. I don't want to go out, okay. uh, although I, I am glad we touched on that because I yeah, know no, what a huge big, part of, his, of your life, of life he is. Yeah. Um, Can I do one and, thing before? Yes. Because I know we, we talked about this beforehand, um, and I just want to make sure to mention I'm not going to drag it out or anything. Um, I'm just very open about this. You know, I talked about how I changed. Um with girls and just with life, not caring about stuff. And I can tell you the exact time I changed. And it's when my, I finally gave, swallowed my pride and went and got seeked help about my, about my anxiety. And it gets worse. When you take anxiety medicine, it gets worse for a couple of weeks before it gets better. I was miserable. I just found out that my ex, at that time, my ex was starting to date someone new. I just found out when I went on the pill. So it made it extra worse. And then... I can tell you exactly where I was sitting. I was in Cincinnati with Scripps Media uh, at a corporate thing. I was sitting outside a building, and I could just feel the chemicals change my my mind. Wow. This chemical thing, and it finally kicked in. I can tell you the exact moment where it kicked in, and my life has been completely different since then. I pushed off getting those pills for a long time. I knew how bad I dealt with, how, uh, how bad I had anxiety, and I didn't want to be on a pill. My ex, Sarah... Encouraged me to do it several times. And I'm like, I'm not relying on a pill yeah. to live. It's changed my life. My doctor has asked me if I want to, now that I'm in a better place, if I want to wean myself off of it. I've never thought about it once because there are no, <laughs> the only downfall is I'm not as, or, believe it or not, I'm not as organized as I used to be because I was obsessive yes. and had anxiety about s- certain things, yes. especially work-related. And um, that's the only downfall. So I just want to take this. If anyone's listening that deals with anxiety, maybe a pill's not right for them, but I'm glad I talked to the doctor. My life has been so much happier since then. And then you met me. And then it went downhill. So <laughs> I had him double, um, double my dosage. I have always wanted to ask this question, and I feel like this is the perfect way oh, gosh, to wrap right. this up. I want to know what your first impression of me was and how that has changed. Um, so uh, we might've hit on this on your podcast, but we had some weird, uh, like overlapping moments in our life. You worked for in Wichita, which is the same company as me. Yes. And I don't think I really knew you because you weren't on country. No, I was I in just, a classic rock station. I worked with some people who were in country there, like, you know, just exchange phone calls or whatever, but I never, you know, went to uh, different genres. But, um, where I really started paying attention to you was when you went to Little Rock mm-hmm. because I, 
before that, I don't know how long There's before. a chance we could have ended up there together. Yeah, actually. it's true. And so um, I had a chance to go there at one point, and I turned it down to stay in Springfield. And um, so I was just kind of curious about where the station was going. They had just launched it. So I was just like, I kind of paid attention. You know, if all of a sudden I had a vested interest. Sure, in yeah. It. So I just paid attention on social media. So you stalked me. Uh, no, I, yeah, I paid attention. <laughs> and so I, the first thing I remember about you, you guys did, I want to say it's Wheel of Karaoke, but not, not how we do it. Yes. It's like where you did impressions. Oh, yes. I did the Wheel and, of Musical impressions. Yes. Okay. And that is the first bit I remember. And I remember saying to my buddy who was going to go to Little Rock with me, former co-worker uh, Scott, said, Hey, here's the the people that you know end up going there, and I'm like, she's actually pretty good, and you know I didn't know what to expect. I, yeah, I, and I don't mean to say like I was surprised. I just didn't know about you, so yes. I didn't know what to expect. Um, so that is, I'm like, oh, that's you know that, and it was really creative. I remember thinking that, and um, so that was my first impression of on air, and I paid attention to stuff, you know, with this that station on and off, and then I saw that you went to Little Rock or I went to Tulsa. And at that point, we would ju- we'd just become different companies. Yes. Our, my station in Tulsa, or station here, KBOO, and my station in Springfield used to be the same company. Uh, they split off, though, went to different companies. So, But I was still familiar with, with KBOO. Yeah. I paid attention, so I knew you were there. Then, you know, I knew Sonny, too. So whenever that switch happened, everything, That's so awful. I was kind of paying attention to that. Yeah. Um, so... Then the first time I actually talked to you was whenever I was back at that station at Little Rock interviewing for a job because I just lost my job in Springfield. The job I left. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, again, another crossover with us. Um, and I remember asking you about the station. And I just remember, like, getting off the phone. I'm like, that's the first time I ever talked. And, you know, we felt like we knew each other because we were Facebook mm-hmm. friends or whatever. But it's the first time we've ever had a conversation. Yes. And it just felt, like, natural. And I remember thinking that, but I didn't think much of it because I didn't know that I could come here at that point. Like, I didn't think I was going to sure. come and work with you. Then I came down to interview here. Um, it was during a show at uh, River Spirit, and I saw you in person for the first time. We met there. We had obviously been in contact about the Little Rock stuff. But um, I remember thinking, okay, this is just like it was. And it was very um, – I can't go into a ton of detail, but um, with my job here, it was just very confusing at the yes. time, whenever I first started, so I didn't have any thought in mind. Like every, well, I shouldn't say that. I had a ton of thoughts in mind of what <laughs> this could be. So I didn't know. And so at that point, I didn't know if, if I was going to be working with you or the same station. Then came here, uh, it was middays for a couple of weeks, ended up working with you. And I, my life's been hell ever since. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Okay, you stupid made me cry. All right. <laughs> Turnabout okay. is fair play, right. sir. Yeah, I cried like a little baby, too. So, welcome <laughs> to the crybaby club. All right. Good questions and stuff. Whatever. <laughs> no, I do appreciate you being super open and honest with me today. I know some of that stuff I knew going into it, there were going to be things that you didn't necessarily want to talk yeah. about, but you did. Um, so, today's therapy session has been great. Okay. Continue to take your medication. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah. come see me in six to eight months. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs>